to everybody here worshiping with But sometimes wisdom is knowing when to sit down. And uh, we have been blessed to have Hunter leading our youth program for about six years now. And there are times in, in which I intentionally want to sit down and just allow him to bring God's word, not just you, just to get him more used to it, but also for me, um, because wisdom says I don't know everything. I still have a lot to learn. And one of the greatest privileges that I've had over these last six years is getting to sit down and, and hear him bring God's word in those moments and in those times. And so figured after six straight months of hearing my big mouth, uh, you probably needed a break. And it just so happened we set this up probably two months ago as we had planned the mission series and then starting a new one next week. I said, you know, this is going to be a great time for you to just bridge that gap and give something different. Uh, what I didn't know is that finally the changing of the seasons would catch up to me. And so just further proof that God is sovereign, that even though we made this plan two months ago, God knew where I was going to be, and he would make sure that Hunter was here, was ready. And so it is my honor and my privilege to welcome to this pulpit yet again my brother in Christ, my friend, Hunter Jacobs. Well, good morning. It's great to be back with everyone. Um, for those of you who didn't know, I've been out of town for the last week um, on a little vacation. Some of you may not consider it vacation, but it is to me. And uh, thank you for thinking of me in your prayers. And as you can see, God allowed me to get back safe and sound. Um, as Justin said, for anyone visiting today, I'm glad you're here. I'm not normally the one standing behind this pulpit on the stage. So hopefully I don't run you off or, uh, or bore you. But... Uh, Hopefully, don't even put you to sleep. I sit next to Catalea, and I said, what is she doing sleeping? And she said, well, don't put anyone else to sleep is what Diana said. So I hope not to do that, but I'm not going to promise that either. So if you've already seen it on the screen, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. And you may have already turned there. Go ahead and get your place. But as Justin said, when we were planning this, I'm... I'm pretty bad about finalizing things. Um, I guess you could call myself a procrastinator. I always was in college and high school. And even when it comes to this sometimes, and I hadn't quite told him the title yet. Um, so that's why it just says Abraham and Isaac. And hopefully you know this story. Um, it's a well-known Sunday school story if you've grown up in church or ever been in church very long. But the title of this series, if you're taking notes, or this sermon rather, is going to be The Goat. Just simply The Goat. And if you've found your place um, in Genesis 22, we're going to begin in verse 1, and I'm going to ask if you're able, would you stand to honor God's word as we read it together? And beginning in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. 
Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will go back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son and your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And your seed, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the worship already and how You've prepared our hearts for what you are going to show us through your word this morning. And my prayer is, Lord, that you would just speak through me clearly as, as clearly as possible, that you would open the hearts and the ears of everyone that's here this morning and allow your word to be applied to each and every one of their lives. We ask that you would bless the um, remainder of our days today, and we just love you so much in your son's name. Amen. Well, I already told you the title of this sermon today is going to be The Goat, and we're going to get to that point here in just a little bit. But for those of you that don't know the story of Abraham and Isaac, as you could understand as we read those 18 verses, God sends an angel to tell Abraham to give up the only son that he has as a burnt offering. Now, that's pretty intense. You only have one child, and a father and son, there's no relationship like a father and son. Sometimes mother and sons are tight, but there's always a special connection between a man and his son. But God is asking Abraham to give up this only son that he has as a burnt offering. And I mean, that's pretty intense. But the reason he does this is he's going to test the faith of Abraham and see how willing and able he is to do the will of the Lord. And oftentimes, God will test us the same way. Maybe not so much as asking us to give up our only child, but he may ask us to give up something or to give up the lifestyle that we currently live in in order to serve a life and live a life that is focused on doing his will and not our own. 
even if it means giving up everything or just that one important thing. In verses 3 through 11, just to summarize it here a little bit, Abraham says, okay. He says, here I am. So he gets all the supplies. He grabs his son and a couple helpers, and they go to the mountain. They go up there, and as boys tend to be at a young age, they're curious, and they're quick to think. The boy realized that they had everything they needed, but they didn't have anything to burn. They had the wood. They had the kindle. They had the fire. I mean, they had everything to do, but they didn't have the sacrifice. So he asked his father, where is the offering? And Abraham clearly tells him that God is going to provide something for us, but he didn't want to tell his son that it was him because obviously the boy probably would have been a little scared as they continued to march up the mountain. So they get there, they build the altar, they prepare it, and there still isn't anything there. Well, then all of a sudden he grabs his son, he has to tie him up a little bit, and he sets him on there. And both of them, even the son, was understanding what was about to take place. And as Abraham was about to sacrifice the only son that he had, the angel stopped him. And it says here, if you want to pick up in verse 12, where the angel comes to him and says, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught up in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So we see here that because of Abraham's obedience, that God did provide a sacrifice, and it wasn't his son. But you see, the same is true for each and every one of our lives here today. We all have something, we have someone that was provided in our place so that we could accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. And that person was God's only son, and his name was Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something today that may be a little different than you've probably heard before. Oftentimes you hear God is referred to as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God. Well, I want to tell you today that through the something I saw on social media a while back, it's a uh, sports apparel brand. It's called Active Faith. And they always put scripture verses on apparel, and um, you can even get wristbands that say catchy phrases and stuff. And there was a shirt that they had just come out with. And this phrase isn't anything that I come up with by any means, but God allowed me to see it and be able to share it with you today. And that phrase is simply that the lamb is the goat. You may think, well, why are you calling the Lamb of God a goat? Well, for those of you that may not know, oftentimes the goat is used as a current phrase of describing certain people. And the goat stands for the greatest of all time. See, a lot of times you hear the goat from athletes, well-known artists. Oftentimes you hear Tom Brady is referred to as the goat because he's a well successful quarterback in the NFL. You may hear someone like Michael Jordan or Muhammad Ali. You may even hear LeBron James, but that's in question, so let's not go that direction. But Jesus Christ is the only goat. I don't care how many times people's going to tell you that an athlete is successful. Yes, they are very successful. They are probably really great, but they're not the greatest of all time. If they're going to say that, they need to add a little bit more to that phrase. Because there's only one person that can be the greatest of all time, and that's someone that was willing to give up their one and only son so that we would be able to 
accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord and have the opportunity to enter the kingdom of heaven if we choose to believe. So we can see here that God in this story did provide a, a ram. But in our personal lives, he's also provided us the goats, and that's his own son. So as you will, we'll follow along here. And we're going to hit several different points here, mainly from other passages of Scripture. You can turn with me there if you would like, or you can just uh, follow along and listen. But the first time probably that Jesus was acknowledged in public as the goat, as we were going to call it today, is in the book of John chapter 1, and it's when John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus to begin his ministry. He's about ready to be baptized, and he's bapti- John the Baptist is baptizing people at this time, and people are hearing his preaching and teaching, and they think, well, is this man, the Jesus Christ, that we've heard about in the prophecies? Is he a prophet? And they questioned John. They asked him. They said, no, no, no. He said, I'm definitely not Jesus Christ. He said, I'm preparing the way for someone who's sandal strap. I'm not even worthy to unloosen. And about the time he says that, Jesus comes forward. And when he does come forward, he says in verse 29 of chapter 1 of John, to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, how can anybody top that off? And we know that Jesus did as he said he would do. He did go to the cross. He did hang himself. He did go to the tomb. And he did rise again from it three days later. He did the greatest thing possible, period. I don't think anybody could top that. I don't care if you break every world record in the book of world records. There's nothing ever going to top being able to offer everybody the opportunity to ask Christ and to, and to be saved and have the plan of salvation. But I want to ask you a question this morning. How many times in your life have you tried to be the greatest at something? All of us have probably played sports when we grow up, grew up. Some of us play sports now. Or we're in activities, we try to be the best cook or the best, I don't know what, I don't know your personal backgrounds and what your hobbies are, but how oftentimes do we get caught up trying to be the best at something? And maybe it's at our jobs. Maybe it's in our careers. We're trying to get into a bigger office, get a promotion. How are we trying to be the greatest in maybe whatever it is we do here at our church? Maybe you try to be the most recognized deacon. Maybe you try to be the most recognized servant within the church or Sunday school teacher. We try to be the best because Jesus Christ was the best and we need to live our lives just as Christ would, so we need to try and be the best. Well, fact of the matter is we're never going to get to Christ's standards, but we're always going to strive to be the best that we possibly can be because we're all sinners. We all fail and we all have our struggles. But we can always without a doubt, because of our desire to serve the Lord and our desires to even be a better person, be a better Christian, is great. But we're never going to be the greatest because Jesus Christ is the greatest. He is the GOAT. There was a movie that I was watching in one of my recent trips um, on a flight, and you may have seen it, you may not have, but with it being football season, I figured it was appropriate to relate it to this, but it was Friday Night Lights. And there's one main character there at the beginning. His name was James Booby Miles. And he was a heck of an athlete. He he was a wide receiver, but he could do everything else besides catch. He could run. He could throw a ball. He could even pass a ball. And he was just very well talented. And it was his senior year, and they had a well group of young men 
their senior year, and when you have a good group of guys in their senior year, you're just expecting them to win the state championship for their local high school, the Permian Panthers. Well, all the talk of the town about James being so good at what he did that rather than taking it in a humble manner, he allowed himself to get a little prideful, kind of get a big ego. And what ended up happening is the town kept talking about it and said, James is great, we're going to win states. A big hype about the town. And there was a scene in the movie where the reporter comes up to him and says, all this hype that's being about, are you going to be able to live up to that? And he's like, I am the hype. But little did he know that in the first game he would be given a huge wake-up call where he gets hit from the side pretty, pretty cheap in a way and he ends up breaking his leg. His career was over. Everything that he bragged about, everything that he was prideful about and everyone talked about was over in one game and one play. And oftentimes, that's the same thing with us. We may focus our entire lives on a dream. We may focus our entire lives on a goal without Christ being involved. And a lot of times, Christ is going to give you that wake-up call and make you realize that you weren't meant to do this. What are you going to do now? And oftentimes, it takes a great amount of pain in order to experience a lot of God's power. I like to think of a tragedy that just happened uh, this past week. Um, a gentleman that um, is with another church, you may have heard it through an email Justin sent out, but his name's Dave, Dave Keep, And he fell 50 foot from a ladder, but he's alive. It's a miracle of God that he's alive. But I'll, and I don't know what's going on in Dave's life. I'm not saying anything's going on, but a lot of times it takes a big tragedy in order to really allow someone to grow in their walks with the Lord. And we see here how Abraham was being tested the same way. It was going to take a big tragedy in giving up his one and only son in order to really experience God's power, even though he did spare his son. But we see how God works in mysterious ways. And oftentimes, if we focus so much on ourselves rather than building up the name of Jesus, the devil is going to use that goal or that, that ambition that we're striving for to pull us away from God. You see so many people, they get caught up in themselves rather than caught up in the one who actually gave them the talents that they have or gave them the ability that they have to do things so well. And then before you know it, it's everything that they've just put all their efforts into has been taken away from them in some way, shape, or form because God sometimes has to use those instances to, to get their attention. But this isn't the plan I've had for you that you may have thought you had all along, but I have something better for you. Oftentimes, as church members, we think maybe we get a little sidetracked, and because Jesus being the greatest of all time, and us being as Christians and have to strive for it, that we also need to be perfect. Well, we're never going to be perfect. We were never perfect before we asked Jesus into our heart, if we have today. But the coach in that same movie told the team before they went into the state championship that they actually did make it without James. And he told him this before hitting the field that night. He said, to me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. It's not about winning. It's about your relationship to you, your family, and your friends. Being perfect isn't about being able to look your friends in the eye and know that you didn't let them down because you told them the truth. And that truth is that you did everything you could. There wasn't one more thing that you could have done. 
and you live in that moment. See, our focus as Christians shouldn't be on ourselves. It should be on the plan that God has for us, and that plan that he has for each and every one of us, whether you believe it or not, is to make more disciples of all nations, to spread the good news of the gospel. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm a quiet guy, and I say it about every time I come up here. I never thought I'd be standing on a church stage and, you know, giving you a sermon, because that's just not how I seen my life intended to look like, let alone be a youth pastor. I was kind of the behind the scenes, serving the Lord, and that was good enough for me. But God said he had something better for you. And the same is true with each and every one of our lives. We need to focus on others. We need to worry about our family and our friends that may, know, may not know Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. And you live in those moments. The trip that I just come from, um, his name, his, he's a really close friend of mine. But sometimes I wonder where his relationship with the Lord is. And, you know, it's always a little eerie when you try to jump into something when it comes to bringing up the gospel because you don't want to turn someone away because some people react to it differently. We were talking about how, I forget what it was, he's saying how he lived, he's lived a good life. And, uh, you know, if it was his time to go, it was his time to go. And it was like God was tapping me on the shoulder and said, this is your moment, you need to ask him. And... Uh, so I did, and I, was, I said, well, do you believe that you know where you're going to go after you do die? Do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? He said, well, yeah, I do. And I was like, well, that's good. And I said, and I made sure that he knew what I was referring to. And I said, now, have you asked Jesus into your heart and your life? Do you believe that he is who he said he is and he did what he said he did? And he said, yeah, I do believe that. He said, I don't go to church as much as I should, but... I do believe in it. And I said, well, if you can confirm with me that you do believe that and you've asked him into your heart, then that, that'll bring peace to my mind. And he says it is. So, I mean, that's all I can go off of. But unless you jump into those moments of questioning and asking and confirming, you may never know. And as the Bible says, if you don't ask them, their blood is going to be on your hands. There's a song that plays on the radio pretty often. And I've listened to this song a hundred times. And it's, it's crazy how God works. You can listen to a song a hundred times and you just think you know it word for word. And then it's just like at one day it just hits you even more. And it's by Casting Crowns and it's entitled Only Jesus. And the first verse in the chorus goes, Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can see is empty dreams. I got lost in the light when it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name to remember. And I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. And I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to him, only Jesus. That's what we need to live our lives like. Let's not try and build up a name for ourselves. Let's always focus on building Jesus' name. Going back to, you know, you trying to be successful at something, to be the greatest at something. We need to be focused on building Jesus' kingdom greater than we need to be worrying about filling ourselves with greatness. Allow Jesus to be the one who determines our accomplishment, not ourselves. 
And as Christians, we should never strive to be the greatest because Jesus already is the greatest. He is the goat. He is the Lamb of God, and the Lamb is the goat. We can be great, however. We are great at taking that first step of faith and asking Jesus into our lives and asking Him into our heart. But we should never settle for being great. We should always strive to be greater. Because as Christians, that's why we come to church daily. That's why we go to you know, small group Bible studies, Sunday school, is to make ourselves greater, more well-rounded, and draw ourselves closer in a relationship with Him. And while I was attending Liberty University, there's a pastor, he's, a, uh, he's the head pastor of a big church in North Carolina, it's called Elevation. And at the time, he wrote this book, and it was called Greater. And it's probably my favorite book of all time because it hits on how our lives need to be driven and living for a greater life rather than just living an average, normal life. And it's based off of the verse, John fourteen twelve, where it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than, he, than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Each and every one of us could believe in Christ today. And we can do great works for him. Now, works isn't what gets you to heaven, but as a Christian, works is part of drawing more men and women of God into a relationship with him. But we can always do greater works if we have Christ in mind on the things that we go out to accomplish. Don't let our pride, don't let our ego get in the way without Christ being the center focus and getting those goals accomplished. The book defines greater as how it's life-altering and understanding that God is ready to accomplish a kind of greatness in your life. Notice it doesn't say you will accomplish greatness. It says a kind of greatness that is entirely out of human reach, beyond what you see in yourself on your best day, but exactly what God has seen in you all along. We always need to be well-equipped, and we need to be ready, because we're going to get caught off guard a lot of times when it comes to maybe having that gospel opportunity and ministering to someone. I know I was caught off guard and we actually finally got to have that conversation this past week on whether my friend was saved or not. But we always need to be ready. And if we just attend church and nothing else, we don't spend no private time with him, we don't spend um, counseling with maybe another brother or sister in Christ, then we're not going to be well equipped for those times that we can truly grow ourselves even more as greater Christians, which is almost experiencing like Christ as being the greatest of all time. And then one other quote from the book says that we are so much better than what we've become because God is so much greater than we're allowing him to be through us. Each and every one of us have so much more potential than we ever think possible. The question is, are you willing and able to listen for the next thing that God does have in store for you? Because he's going to bring those moments into your life, just like he brought them into Abraham's life. If you don't know the background of Abraham, uh, they had Isaac at a pretty old age. And they kind of laughed at God when he said, you're going to have a baby and you're 90-some years old. God still did it. 
And I believe in a way that God wanted to test his faith again by once Isaac got to a little bit older of an age, he wanted to see, is your faith still the same or have you kind of gotten off the path a little bit? So he said, I want you to sacrifice your son. But see, Abraham, about three or four times in those 18 verses we read, he was always willing and able. He said, here I am. If God asked you to do something out of your comfort zone, would you be able to say, here I am? Or are you going to back up a few steps and, and say, oh, I don't think I'm able to do that. Maybe, maybe find someone else. It doesn't happen by accident. And God is always going to put you in those awkward moments. Because as a, as a phrase that some of the kids may remember, um, well, it was probably before this group came in the youth group, but there was a shirt and a speaker. He would always say, awkward is awesome. And as Christians, it doesn't matter how awkward we are, we're going to be awesome because we're serving an awesome God. So let's not worry about trying to be the greatest of all time because God is already the goat. But we do need to try and strive to be greater. But my question for you today is, have you stepped into being great by asking him into your life? Or maybe if you have, are you seeking him daily to where you can get to the next step in being greater than you were the day before? And can you display the strength amount of faith like Abraham and to be willing to sacrifice something as precious as your son? Because because of his faithfulness, he did provide a sacrifice. Just like God loved us enough, he provided his own son, the lamb who is the goat, so that we would be able to have that same freedom and to have that opportunity of salvation. So we're going to close this morning. I'm going to ask Justin to come up and the worship team, and we're going to close this morning. Some of you being obedient is going to be taking that next step in your faith, whether it is serving God in a different way, whatever it happens to be, will you be obedient to what God is telling you? And then the last uh, two words is be faithful. Whatever God has called you to, because he is the greatest, he will give you the ability to do it, but you have to be faithful to him. So are you willing to listen? Will you obey him? Will you be faithful to him? We just stand as we're going to pray together this morning.
Father, as we close out this second service today, Lord, it has truly been a blessed uh, day to be in your house. Worship you. Thank you for just the music we've been able to sing in both services, the word that we have heard from you. And Lord, it's so easy just to get into a routine of just things that we do. We don't think about it. It's just what comes next. And so often, we're asking that question, what's next? Father, I pray that in the quietness of this moment, we wouldn't be worried about what's next. Rather, we'd be worried about what needs to now. As God, we know we have the promise of your word that as it goes out, it will not return void, but it will accomplish what you desire it to. So, Lord, as you have spoken to hearts and lives here, God, I pray that we just respond to you, whether it's for salvation, whether it's the confession of sin, whether it is being like Abraham and taking that next step in faith. Though we don't know where it's going to lead us, we don't know the exact path, we know who is calling us, and we know that he is greater, that his plan is greater than anything we could ever have for ourselves. So more than calling us to something, Lord, you're calling us to follow someone. And that's Jesus Christ. So we give this time to you. Let us respond and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar is going to be open as we sing this uh, last song, Come Ye Sinners. If you need to pray, if you need to uh, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you come up here something on your heart you can pray about. But let's worship through obedience.